Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 52. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today I interview Samir Shantri. Samir is a third-degree black belt and the co-founder of RSBJJ Association. He shared his struggles about running his school, and he talked a lot about perseverance and mentioned the best advice he has ever received. There is no glory without sacrifice, which inspired the title of this podcast. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share with you a concept from the best-selling book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance by Angela Duckworth, since it was the main topic of the interview. Stay tuned right after Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejujitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Samir Chantry. Samir is a third-degree black belt under Alain Moraes. Samir is a three-time IBJJF No-Gi World Champion and a three-time IBJJF No-Gi Pan Am Champion. Samir is the co-founder of Aris BJJ Association, one of the leading BJJ organizations in the world with over 40 affiliate schools in 2019. Samir owns and operates Aris Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Modesto, California with his business partner, Osvaldo Moizinho. He is also the referees director of the AZ BJJ Federation for the past 10 years and has worked extensively with the Federation to improve BJJ in the state of Arizona. Samir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Gustavo. It's a pleasure. Man, it's a pleasure to have you here. As I mentioned, for the past basically 10 years, you've been the referees director here in Arizona, and I appreciate and value your work very much. You start coming, I think you came to compete first, compete in ref, right? Ref, yes, that was 2010. Yeah, 2010. Little by little, you saw my madness. I was running everywhere and suggested to be the the referee's director and been here since. So we just had a win in 2019 right now recording this the end of April. And we just had a tournament, the Kids Cup. So he was here in town. Great event. And so tell us how did you just show up in your life? Uh, I was, it was very early in my life. I was, uh, eight, I was eight years old. Uh, my brother started training. And I didn't really know what it was. And um, he actually never really tried to get me into it until I went to his belt promotion. So he got his yellow belt. He was uh, 13, actually. Yeah, he was 13 and I was seven. Uh, I was about to turn eight. 
and uh, he got his yellow belt and uh, I was there, he did like a little uh, belt exam and I, I that, that looks fun. And uh, the guys, uh, that was at Bolon Jiu-Jitsu Center, mm -hmm. uh, Professor Sergio Bolon, a, a custom Gracie black belt. And uh, I was there, it, it was fun, but didn't really like, I was a soccer kid, you know, I play soccer, I was completely addicted to soccer like probably any other Brazilian kid, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, but then uh, people there, like the other coaches, some of the friends, some of my uh, my brother's friend that I actually had met before, and they were like, hey, you should come, you should try it out, you should uh, stick around, you're an athletic kid, you like it, and this and that. I was like, ah, okay, maybe. So then that was probably like a Friday or something. I know that the next, the next Monday I was there, and then, uh, and that was it. And then it was little by little. I stopped a little bit after like a couple of years, two, three years, because of soccer too. I was taking soccer a little bit more serious. And then uh, I kind of went away a little bit from trying to be professional. Uh, I played a little bit in the, uh, some soccer teams. And, uh, but then kind of got into the, got the middle of my school. My mom wasn't really uh, appreciative of that. And uh, she was like, ah, you shouldn't be stopping, skipping school and this. And then I, uh, I, I wouldn't really care, but, uh, but my mom was like really heavy on that. And then some politics too in Brazil, you know, because of uh, since every, every other boy wants to be a soccer player, there's a lot of politics involved. I kind of walked away a little bit and then I was playing a lot with, just with fun mainly until I saw, my my professor Alain Moraes on the streets, and uh, because he was actually uh, my neighbor and good friend of my brother, good friend of mine, and he was like my door to door neighbor, you know. And then he was like, but actually my 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 dad's, uh, which lived like a couple blocks away from me. I I was living with my mom, and then uh, he was like, "Hey, Sammy, you should come back. You should train. Come here." I just started teaching. He was a he had just got promoted to black belt, like. A couple months before that, and it's like I just I started teaching. I have uh, my own class now here at Carson Gracie headquarters. You should come and, and train. Same thing. That was probably like a weekend, and then next Monday I was there, and from then on, being the, being here, been here training since. How do you feel BJJ relate to life? I think that. Uh, I, Honestly, there are many, many different, many, many ways that I relate, especially to my life, because since I started in the early ages, I was able to apply all the concepts that I would learn with uh, even like frustration, you know, like how when you get frustrated in jujitsu, sometimes you get in life, but you got to over, uh, you got to overpass that and uh, use the right reaction for it, you know, uh, but I think uh, what comes to me the most is perseverance. In jiu-jitsu, nothing happens overnight, and uh, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna win a world champion by training uh, one or two days, maybe one or two years even, or three or four, or even like your whole life. Sometimes you know you gotta persevere. It's same in life. Uh, in life, nothing comes easy. Uh, you gotta persevere. You have to. Uh, put your work into it and uh, it's going to be full of bumps, you have to go through it. And Joe, that's the only way you're going to be successful in anything in life. 
Now, when did you have the spark to pursue jiu-jitsu as a profession? We're talking a little bit before prior to the interview, mentioned that it's, a, it's very common when I interview professional jiu-jitsu competitors who eventually open their own academy and so forth. They go through that phase that they're the rebels of the family. They're doing something different, not the normal of you go to college, you have the, the path that a lot of the parents, they want. And when did you realize that you're not going to that path where you're going to go and you really put like, man, I really going to do this professionally? So it's kind of a tricky thing because it was on and off. But uh, in the beginning, when I got completely addicted to jiu-jitsu, which was uh, probably 14, 15, I got my blue belt and I started competing every single weekend. I was doing really good. My dream was to be a uh, professional jiu-jitsu fighter. But then reality hits you right when i turned 18 uh i had to go to college so uh i had to go with kind of like a what society imposes right and family <laughs> society slash family uh so i went to college i was uh, went to law school and uh, i was working uh i was doing internship with uh, uh the public defenders in the state of rio janeiro and uh very soon i was already uh, uh, I got like a bit of promotion, let's say. I was the head of the uh, uh, of the interns there, and I was doing pretty well. I was in, I was halfway done with my course, but that was when I when I actually started all that. I was a purple belt, and purple belt was like kind of like that trigger point because uh, actually brown belt, but uh, purple belt was actually the other way around. It was when I backed up a little bit. I used to I, I was still training. Uh, consistently still competing but my focus shift a little bit because I realized hey I'm 18 I have to really focus on my life I'm a grown-up you know uh, and uh, kind of uh, that's what I thought at the time I, I'm a, I'm a grown-up and I uh, I have to start taking things seriously you know and that jiu-jitsu won't take me anywhere if uh, a lot of people do, who get introduced to jiu-jitsu now they're like what are you talking about some Jiu-jitsu take jiu-jitsu prize money and sponsorships and all that, you know, internet is everywhere. But 13 years ago, it wasn't really like that. You know, when I was 18, I uh, I was just a purple belt and jiu-jitsu literally was very, uh, it was, first it was everywhere. So it was hard to think about, oh, I'm going to open an academy. There's an academy every corner in my neighborhood uh no one that i knew as a prof as a jiu-jitsu instructor was very 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 successful in a stage that i that i wanted for me uh and i didn't really see a future on that you know even though it was my passion i wasn't really seeing a future but then uh then i started so i started going to school, focus a little bit more on my school, still training, competing and everything. And then I started my internship and then I started like a little, I got a little promotion. So I was all excited with that. I was, uh, I was very happy with the, uh, with the way that my life was going until my instructor promoted me to Brown Bell. So I'm a, I'm a little bit like a competitive person, you know, I don't really like to go to a tournament just to go. Uh, it's uh, if I go, of course, I, I go there not 
really like, oh, if I don't win, I kill myself. It's not like that, but it's, if I'm going there, it's because my, my, I, I want to win. You know, I'm just not going to go there just to go. And I found that I, I was like, I didn't feel like my purple belt was my best belt. And my instructor promoted me to brown belt. I think I have some catch up to do. So my life completely shifted. I was uh, working in the morning and going to school in the evening. So I, had, I was waking up at six to train at seven in the morning, uh, a, few, a couple of days a week, and then come, uh, going to work. And then in the afternoon, I was training again. And then in the evening, going to, uh, going to school. So my life was really busy. I didn't know for how long I would be able to take that. So kind of, I started like having, I started like my, my, some, some of the, uh, some of the uh, areas in my life was kind of being sacrificed a little bit. So I wasn't doing as good in school as I, as I was before. Uh, I was, I was still focused a little bit on my work because I, I really, I really enjoyed, but kind of like my school wasn't doing as good. My, uh, in jiu-jitsu, I felt like I could have been doing better, but even though I was doing pretty good, my brown belt was one of the best belts, one of the color belts that I had. Uh, I won right off the bat, I won um, the national, the states, and then I won Europeans, submitting all my matches. And then I, I got runner-up in Brazilian nationals. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I think I caught up. You know, I've been doing pretty well at brown belt. But now that fire is back, you know, that fire was back on. So I was like, ah, I, I, I want to do Worlds. And Worlds had, had just left Brazil. That was 2008. Worlds left Brazil the year before in 2007. I was like, okay, now I want to do Worlds. Uh, so I went to Europeans on that year. So it was kind of on a budget. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to do all the the – tournaments in brazil this year and then next year 2009 i go when i do uh i do worlds that was uh when i so that was i think that was like the spark it was my brown belt you know but then that's when i did worlds as a brown belt i i, I got third place i felt i felt i did pretty well it was a good tournament five matches i think and then i uh i went back and i got promoted to black belt and once i got promoted to black belt I was, um, I actually, when I came here to compete in the brown belt worlds, I got an offer to stay and teach uh, from uh, Caesar Gracie. And uh, I was like, okay, so it was in the perfect moment. You know, this part had hit me, uh, uh, the fire was back on and I had that opportunity. So I came mm -hmm. back to Brazil, my instructor awarded me the black belt and uh, told my mom I was leaving. How'd she take? Uh, really well. <laughs> Not really. Uh, she, my mom is actually very, uh, she's very understanding. You know, she, she, know, she always knew I loved it. And one thing that I'm sure helped, it was that my brother went, uh, right when my brother graduated school, my, bro my brother is a dentist, right when he graduated school, he went to Australia for a year just to study English and, uh, learn new culture, relax a little bit from the real world, so let's put it this way, you know. So I think that helped too, because I think on my mom's mind, oh, he's going for a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. 
a different experience. He's going to stay there. He's going to teach a little bit so he could maintain himself so he could pay his dues. And, and then eventually he's coming back, you know, until she saw that little by little that wasn't happening. But one thing that I, one thing that I used to convince my mom, and it was actually not only to convince my mom, that I convinced myself too. It was that I was 20 years old. I was a 20 years old black belt that had done pretty well in the lower belts, you know. So I had a shot. I had a shot of uh, doing jujitsu 24, 24 hours a day, uh, live in a country where uh, the major tournaments are, and being able to grow as a person too, you know. So uh, finishing law school, working, all that, at 21, 22, 23, 24, you won't really make any difference. Graduated, graduated at uh, 22 or at 24 wouldn't really make a difference, you know. And uh, my school would allow me to uh, to freeze my uh, my membership for two years, right? So they would they would let me freeze it for two years without me losing anything, any of my credits or anything. So then uh, I I spoke to my mom and said, "Hey, I can come back up to two years, retrieve what I was, and that's it, you know. And then we go from there." like nothing happens in the end of the day i'm i'm gonna come back speaking a, a better english i'm gonna come back with a good life experience uh either things go good or go bad it's still a good life experience it's still gonna be a learning you know a learning experience so uh it's a win-win situation the only downside is i'll be away from mom <laughs> right mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh but she took it she took it uh well uh not really like, uh, of course, she didn't want me to go, you know, but she was comprehensive uh, about that situation that you're, you're 20, that's your shot. You're probably going to come back soon, hopefully, uh, but you're not going to change anything if you come back in two years and finish whatever you're doing right now. Yeah, this is a situation that happens. Of course, this is not only Brazil. This is everywhere. When parents have, of course, they want the best for you period. In their mind, they have their perception of success. This is what success looks like to them. That's what they learn from maybe, you know, their parents and they try to pass to them. So very often, and it's cool that she ended up supporting, but that can, that can cause a lot of problems in, in families. And I think most people who are listening, you have a lot of the, the master crowd over 30 if you have some younger people, maybe they can relate a little more. But I think the crowd that if you're over 30, maybe you remember the early days when you're 18 and maybe you have like some um, some friction with the parents that what do you mean you're going to do this? You're not going to make any money, That especially if it's a different route like jujitsu. I always mention here for me it was very similar to people thought, yeah. My and my family, yeah, it's it's okay. Jiu-Jitsu came away from trouble, yeah. Like, no, you don't understand. I'm actually gonna do this for a living. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and until actually happened, like, oh wow, he wasn't playing. He is actually serious about that. So going to that route, it's uh, it's tough and it's good that you put a foot down. And prior to the interview, too, I mentioned some of the guests that we have here, like Bernardo Faria and. Ricardo Liborio, talking about this, how the family went insane when they said, like, what do you mean you're not, you're, especially Liborio, they had a, he had a really great job with the Banco do Brasil and, and 
his dad was like, you're out of your mind. Now, how are you going to pursue this? So I think it's important that if, especially for the listeners right now, don't let people really, if they don't feel that you're going to be successful, that's on them. You know, so if you believe in your vision and you have to put your foot down and if during the process is going to piss some people off, that include your parents because they don't agree. But you, from the bottom of your heart, you really truly believe that you're making the right move. You got to do it. If you end up making a mistake, so be it. But you have to live that, let's say, mistake if you ever become a mistake. And this this is something that sometimes people just let other people's opinions dictate what they're going to do with their lives. And um, it's a tough one. So I always try to bring this to people that, man, if that's what you want to do, don't let other people really dictate that, even if it's your family. Now, how was the mindset when you arrived in the United States? At first, you came in, as you mentioned, you start teaching at Caesar. How was the mindset? Because I want to get eventually to the mindset when you open your school. Okay, so how was the mindset of coming in? Because, and we talked about this before too, you basically you're just competitors, uh, professional competitors. You are an entrepreneur. You're a brand. You're branding your name. And even though you may not have your academy before, but you still, you're doing seminars, you're hustling, you're selling t-shirts, you're doing all that stuff. That's um, what's entrepreneurship it's about. So let's go to this phase. How was your mindset when you arrived in the United States? Uh, I, uh, like I said, I, it was, uh, it was my shot, right? So uh, in, my, in my opinion, I, uh, I had to, it was, it was a shot that I had to pursue this, uh, this passion of mine and this passion, yeah. So uh, I'm, I kind of minimize, uh, I try to minimize as much as I could the chances of uh, uh, making mistakes, you know? Like uh, uh, when I left, for example, I was like, okay, so I have that two year gap, right? That was in my mind always. I have to, that two years gap to come back if I need to, okay? So, but, I put that in my mind that I didn't want to, I didn't really want to look back. You know, I was like, okay, I have that, but now I want to pursue my dream. That's what I want to do. And that's what, I, uh, that's the only way I'm going to do it. It's by persevere. Right. Because, uh, I'm, I had a friend here already. Okay. So, uh, he was the only person I knew around this area. Uh, my whole family, friends and everyone else, was uh, was in Brazil. I came here. I, I had a, a friend, and I knew things were going to be not be easy. You know, I knew I was going to had to go through struggles. I had to go through struggles in the beginning until I like I came here. Uh, just the visa itself is already extremely hard mm-hmm. uh, to get. It's and stressful. And it's stressful and. Uh, uh, my first, I, I came here with a tourist visa and I extended my visa and then all of a sudden my extension got denied after like four months, which was what I asked for, but I couldn't really try to apply for other visas since my extension and going on. So I had to go back to Brazil and then come back in 
and then I applied for a visa. My visa, <laughs> visa, my visa that usually that I apply that usually um, they give the result within like three weeks. Took me two years to get it, and I couldn't leave. I couldn't visit my family. I couldn't do anything uh, uh, until they gave me the result, right? Approved or denied, if I left America, I would be abandoning the case and all the money and time and everything they put into it. So uh, I had to persevere, you know? Like I went to, when I came and I had to, uh, and I had that offer to teach all of a sudden that academy was filled up and I had another opportunity. Uh, the same person gave me another opportunity, but not as good as the other one. And then I had to make that struggle, you know, to teach one academy twice a week and then another academy. And then in the morning in train and then raft tournaments and then do this and do that. And uh, in my whole mind, my, all my mind was perseverance, 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 you know? You have to focus, you have to uh, be uh, determined to, uh, to get what you want, you know? And uh, in my mind, it was like, oh, it's going to be two years of struggle because I have that two years. If that two-year deadline uh, pass, it's because I'll be good, this and that. But then ended up that, ended up that uh, thankfully, when I had, to, I had to come back to Brazil within uh, 11 months that I was here to renew my visa. So when I came back, things started to get a little bit better. I think uh, I was already more acclimated. I already knew a little bit more mm. of this scenario, what I had to do, what I did have to do. You know, like a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go to America, I'm going to teach and this and that, but it's a completely different world. Uh, it's uh, uh, dealing, it's a culture, culture-wise, it's completely different. People are different, you know, like people here react in a different way than people react in Brazil. Customers are different uh, here than in Brazil. So you come with a mindset and all of a sudden you realize that you have to switch to a completely different mindset. To adapt, yeah. To adapt, exactly. And uh, one thing that I always say when, a, when friends of mine thinking about come here, I was like, are you ready to be born again? If you say yes, okay, let's talk, you know. And I really, I, I, my last friend that came, and uh, he he actually, uh, I sent him like a ten minutes uh, audio uh, message, audio message, and he's like, really, a ten minutes? Yeah. I was like, bro, if you listen to it and you say yes in the end, you're ready to come, you know, because I, I straightforward the whole truth, ten minutes, ten minutes uh, audio. If you're ready to do it, okay, you can do it. But it's, uh, I think that my mindset was perseverance. I had to persevere. I knew I would have to persevere. I knew I was going through struggles. I knew I was going to things in life that I never had to go before because I, I was always backed up by my family. I, uh, thankfully, I came in, the, uh, in a good family in a good neighborhood i didn't have to go to a lot of things uh that i actually went through when i moved here and it was my choice it was my choice like i said uh, like i said another uh not long ago i uh i chose to go through uh this experience 
this experience being good or bad because I knew it was going to be a learning experience, you know? And uh, all my mindset was, I'm gonna persevere. I have that two years cap. I'm not coming back until, uh, okay, it's, that's the deadline and uh, something didn't happen. That was the line that I put it to myself. Until then, man, world can be falling apart. I'm going to persevere, persevere, persevere. And of course, you cannot persevere by sitting on your couch and watching TV, right? Yes. I, you you got to put the work. You got to have the right mind to it. got to put your mind to it. Put the work and persevere. Put the work and persevere. Yeah, this, um, of course, I relate to because um, I've been living here for a while in the United States. But like when you come here and you have that crash course of just growing up a lot faster, you're, the the growing curve, it's a lot faster when if you stay like, you know, yeah, one year that you stay longer in Brazil, one year here, it's like, dude, you know, it's, it's it, I think only people who maybe lived abroad if the listeners, if you have a chance to maybe live abroad, you know what I'm talking about. And the culture, as I mentioned, so, so different. And that's one of the best decisions I, I really made. And you did too, of just kind of really getting out of the comfort zone of family. You can always rely there's always, you know, someone here and suddenly you're on your own. That it's, um, man, that's a great crash course for growing up. Now, Fast forward now to when you open your academy, the mindset, I feel that it's still the same with Persevere. You just started not too long ago. Uh, we're what, going, going into three years this year? It's going to complete? I actually, it completed uh, a month ago, actually. Was so how was coming in? I know me because that is different but like how did you deal with some of the fears anxieties that come in because a lot of people they think about opening business and or maybe not only just starting jiu-jitsu academy i'm saying business in general they do have a passion they do have the knowledge that to open up but it's it's tough man to really pull the trigger and make that decision so how was the mindset uh one thing that i uh, that one thing that I was never, I was never the kind of person that sits and stays in a comfort zone, you know, I always wanted something new, I uh, I got that from my mom, my mom is a ridiculously good entrepreneur, she's, uh, her whole life was like that, action she, taker, she, yeah, she, ridiculously, she was never, I, I don't, I honestly, I think I remember one time that she was a employee but she was an employee because she wanted to, it was kind of like a social thing that she had she that she was doing uh my my my, my mom's a lawyer too uh and she's also a real estate broker uh her whole life the 30 years of life that i have it was seeing my mom hustling and uh really like uh, i've having her business and buying selling and doing this and doing that she never sat down and really like worked for anybody or something and uh, i think and i got that from my mom like 100 percent, you know so when i came in i started teaching for other people uh i always felt that desire to 
grow. And uh, it wasn't, ne it was never my intention to, to collect paychecks. You know, that, that's what it is. I, I had the dream to, uh, to grow, not only having my own academy, but also uh, growing in, even different areas, you know, even different areas. I still have uh, uh, some goals of mine. I have different, uh, different financial goals also outside of jiu-jitsu. And uh, when I opened the academy, my goal was literally to, uh, I, I knew actually, I knew that I was going to go back to that stage of almost be born again, you know, because I was, uh, it was good to get a good paycheck at the end of the month or uh, yeah, in the beginning of the month to collect a good paycheck and then be able to train and not worry about, you know, like I can go home at night without thinking about the business. You know, and that what that what makes a lot of people just wanted to live their life, you know. But on me, I was missing something. You know, I was missing something. I was just born like that, I guess, or educated like that, or just saw so much that I kind of absorbed it uh, to me. So when I went, when I when I thought about opening the academy, I. I was like, okay, I know I'm gonna have to go all to that again, to start over, to have to build the academy. Uh, but I knew I was going to have to persevere. I knew I was going to have to go through all that stages again, you know? But, uh, so it's been three years. And of course, uh, my academy has grown so much. We are around a hundred people right now, a hundred students. Uh, it's growing, 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 uh, but I'm still like, I'm still a competitor too. It's, uh, I have my partner, I have Kishino, so Kishino is also a uh, very active competitor. So we, we are both there, we both teach our classes, all our classes together. We are putting a lot of work, a lot of time into it and trying to make it grow. But both of us, when we decided to open, we were like, okay, ready to come back to that stage and riding that, you know, and riding the whole wave again to start going up and up and up and up. And uh, we're down to it, you know, and uh, uh, we are collecting results and it's been, it's been amazing. And our goal is to grow more and more. Now, again, you only been with the school for about three years, but what are some of the difficulties or struggles that you have found and what did you learn from it? Maybe something that you should, you knew maybe three years ago, maybe it would minimize some of the pain, but again, you just starting, still got, you know, a lot to experience because a lot of the work is just you at Kenshin. It's not like you have a lot of employees and things like that. So that's something that's when the struggles start to really happen of dealing with employees and so forth. But what are some of the difficulties or maybe one that you found and what did you learn from it? I think uh, because I am that way that I was telling you that I got from my mom and uh, to try to really want to be that uh want to do that hustle you know i'm that kind of person that really wants to uh wants to have hands-on i have 
I have a difficulty of uh, delegating. Mm. You know, this is uh, this is something that I still struggle with as a person. It's called control freak pattern. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Something like that. I uh, so I think when you have your own business and uh, or when you have a partnership, that's in my case, uh, me and Kishino, you want to be hands-on all the time, but if you're living, you're also, uh, I'm also, like I said, like I mentioned, I'm also a uh, competitor. So I, I'm, I also, I travel around the world to uh, compete in seminars and uh, family and everything. So when you do all that and you, you still want to be hands-on in everything, it makes it really hard, really, really hard. So when you start uh, when you start um, like mani- uh, minimizing uh your short term result for a long term for to maximize a long term result when you start when you think like that i think that help that's been helping me lately that i could have known three years ago mm. you know i think that that i think that really has been helping me now you know, like, oh, okay, uh, 6.30 a.m., I think that class is going to be a little bit too much for me. Let's put someone in there. Kids class, I think right now, it's not the best time for me to teach little kids. Let's have someone there. Taxes, not the best time for me to do it myself. Let's hire a good CPA. Uh, you know, so when you start, like, delegating a little bit of uh, uh, tasks, I think that for me, it's making a lot easier now. And I think uh, people are able to do their work even better than I was doing, not because, but I, I was, I would still always be thinking that, oh, I'm, sometimes I think like, oh no, just me is capable to do this the way that I want to do, you know? But this, doing this and doing everything else, it's going to hurt, you know, like everything's going to be hurted a little bit. So I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to put hundred percent effort in every little thing. So all of a sudden, when you delegate, people start doing just as, as good or even better because they can focus on that and you can focus on other things, sometimes things that are even more important. So you're able to focus on things that are more important, focus on uh, other areas too of your life and everything can grow simultaneously and better. Yeah, I'm man, I struggle in the past big time with this, the same thing, trying to put my finger and everything with what I did. So it's something over the years I had to really, and a lot of the books, you know, really helped me learning to delegate and so forth. This is something that uh, I think all the listeners cannot take for granted, that kind of information of delegating. However, for example, a lot of jujitsu guys out there, instructors, uh, not just instructors, but I mean school owners, a lot of them are one-man show. In the beginning, you cannot kick any money to anyone. You cannot hire anyone. So you kind of have to do everything in the beginning of your business, depending on what kind of business you have. You don't have the luxury to actually hire someone unless someone may be helping you out and they volunteer here and there. Now, 
the thing is like you right now with the three years you learning this but now you get as you go on you start to see like when is the time to start being aware when is the time to start delegating because there's one point that you just didn't have time you know yeah. not time but like even money or resource to do so yeah no i agree 100 percent. but in my case uh, was um i wasn't a hundred percent there because like i said i was mm-hmm. going for seminars i'm still i'm, I'm still a competitor so i was traveling to compete and all this and all that so for me uh it was important to be in a partnership or having being able to uh have somebody there and try and to sharing all that work but for sure if i didn't have these uh these other areas if i was going to do a hundred percent uh commit a hundred percent only just myself to my gym then for sure i was going to be harder to even afford not to take let's say a hundred percent of the profit for the gym you know so i was going to have to be there just myself yeah and now one important thing for all the listeners too that maybe if you are in this transition in your business that you do need help but you're not quite there financially yet because that's a very thin line of like uh, i need help but i kind of don't have the money to pay and my wife chris used to tell me like you're crazy you do stuff when you don't have the money well like well most of the time when I took risk, I was like, I really need the help and I don't have the money to do so. I'll make something happen. I'll take the risk. I'll be like, hey, we're going to try for three months. And then, okay, in a worst case scenario, I go for three months. And then if I can't afford it, I'll, I'm backed up with credit card, but I'll make it happen. I just sometimes in business, you're going to have to take some risks. And they, and they paid off. A lot of them, they did. Now, of course, I don't. I like to tell her that I'm that quarterback that I'm I'm constantly swinging. I don't hit every time. There's some plays that I overthrow, some interceptions or whatever, but I'm winging it. And as an entrepreneur, you got to think like that, that not every throw that you're going to send to your wide receiver or whatever, you it's going to land. Sometimes you're going to get some, uh, some bad throws, but you got to do it. If not, I know a lot of my personal friends that they stay in the same position for actually a few years because they keep waiting for this moment that when I'm good and then I bring someone else. But until you actually have the little leap that sometimes you do have to take a little risk and you got to do, especially like sometimes with marketing, I cannot do any Google ads. I cannot do any Facebook marketing or whatever. Man, you're going to have to take the risk of, Put in something and then figure out hustle. Find a way to make up the money for that you're going to risk for a couple months. And that's a big suggestion that I have with people because I would not be, my school would not be where I'm at if I didn't take like a lot of the risk that I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I can afford this, but I'm doing it and it paid off. Yeah, for me, the same thing, exactly the same thing. The, uh, if, I, if, I thought about, if I thought about, hey, you know, I need to make money. I need to provide for my family. I need this gym. Uh, to give me money, if I thought about that only, then I wouldn't have uh, done half of the stuff that I did in the gym. You know, I literally minimize like to the very bottom all the profit that I could have, and not even profit. I'm saying even paying myself. You know, 
as as my employee, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I minimize that to the like top, like bottom, 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 so I could uh, 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 delegate, you know, so I could have other people there, and I could have a better facility. A better service in general, you know, because all everything comes down to that. You know, we pay a marketing company, we pay a uh, software company, we pay a couple of different structures, you know. So all that, like right now, yes, we can afford, but we've been paying them for the past couple of years. Back then, I don't know if you could have afforded, you know, but we did it anyways because we knew it was something that we, we had to do, you know, in order to provide a better service and to uh, keep the customers and to get new customers, you know, otherwise, if, like I said, if I had thought about, uh, if I always thought about, hey, uh, my, pro- my, my uh, right now, my profit right now, I wouldn't have took the risks, and you wouldn't have got what I what I'm at today, you know, and Absolutely. what I want to be, let's say. And that's why I always say entrepreneurship is not for everyone, because not everyone have the guts to look at the numbers and be like, "What do you mean I don't have money for myself this month?" And exactly. then you have to pull here and pull there and make the magic happen to make sure that all your employees, they get paid on time, they get compensated, and all the service continue. It's, it's definitely not for everyone. And yeah, we, now, raised the, uh, we raised the employee salaries when the, in our salary, like our, our profit itself. It's like, <laughs> I hear you, know, you. But it's for a better good, you know, for a greater good, for a greater good, and we know that, you know? Yeah. So what would you say is a one high performance habit that you have something that you've been doing for a while that helps you in all aspects of your life? Persevere. hundred percent persevere. I think, uh, uh, perseverance and, uh, knowing, uh, knowing what I want, you know, uh, this two and because the two can comes together, you know, recognizing, knowing what you want, making that wish become a uh, almost like an obsession, yeah, you know, a healthy stubbornness in a way, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Sometimes you gotta do it, you gotta think that, uh, hey, uh, I want that and I'm going to get it, you know, and uh, making that uh, making that wish become an obsession and uh persevere until you get there you know i'm 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 very like i uh, always had faith in the things that uh that was in my mind that it was for me you know uh, same thing when i moved here you know when i moved here same thing when i opened my gym i knew i had to go to struggles but I had to pick a new, uh, being, um, uh, perseverance. I think I knew that that was going to help me, you know, and to have faith, go and literally persevere and going through everything, going through the bumps, going through the, uh, 
the different roads but in order to get there you know sometimes you get a new turn and you don't want to get and then you have to go back and make another new turn so you can go in the right way you know um going through life going to stuff the life puts it you know and i think yeah perseverance knowing where you want to go knowing where you want to get like i said i have even i have other financial goals in my life i have other uh enumerators interpreters uh goals in my life and uh i want them i'm gonna persevere until i get it you know yeah and we had on episode number six with a IBJJF Hall of Fame, Bernardo Faria, which was a cool episode titled Obsessed for Success. And we talk about this, how anyone that has achieved meaningful things in their lives, at some point, they had to be obsessed about. So obsession very often has a kind of like a bad, a negative vibe in a way from a lot of people that obsessed is wrong. And not necessarily because when you want to accomplish something meaningful and big and if you, how are you going to become a world champion without being obsessed with your training? It's just not possible. Not going to happen. It's, it's not possible. You have, to, you have to be thinking different. You have to be obsessed with your goal. Otherwise, it's not going to happen with business the same way to have a a successful business that provides a great service and you have to commit and have to put time away the time sometimes time that you could be spending with your family and so forth and you have to put the extra time that's part of the obsession that's why again that's why it's not for everyone having their own business because if you don't have that kind of extra edge of a little obsession to it i mean it may cruise but you might end up maybe frustrating yourself that you're not really achieving your expectations, you know? Yeah. Now, what is the best advice we've ever received in jujitsu life? Whatever comes into your mind. It was actually something that my mom told me when I was real young. She always told me that there was no glory without sacrifice. Nice. I carry that. I always carry that and that again fits with uh yeah. my perseverance you know there's no glory you don't sacrifice if you give up in the first sacrifice you gotta make you're not gonna get your glory you know if you give up in the first bump you know if you give up in the first uh time life hits you you know persevere because there's no glory without sacrifice you have to sacrifice and uh unfortunately unfortunately for my mom i kind of used that against her because i sacrificed being close to my family you know being close to the uh most important uh, people that i had that was my family to come to uh to move and come to america to persevere and to uh to find my glory you know which was my goal which was my desire now what advice should you give sometimes i would ask the people when you had the spark to pursue let's say jujitsu to pursue your passion and of course 
I like to frame this that it's not that you wanted anything different in your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you're at. You wouldn't have the family that you have and so forth. So nothing I know that it wouldn't change anything. But if you see maybe someone that is in a, uh, some 20-year-old that in a similar journey as you with the jiu-jitsu and maybe they want to pursue his, uh, his dream of becoming a, a professional and, and make a living with jiu-jitsu, what advice would you give to this uh, young, not necessarily could it be based on you like the young Samir, but that would be advice that would fit really well for a 20-year-old that was in that similar position? I think uh, I would, uh, one thing that I, that I want, I'm not going to say that I is a bad thing, but sometimes for me, I, there's a lot going on in my life. There's always a lot going on in my life. You know, I think because of this addiction that I have for hustle, you know, uh, like I'm, Gustav, you know me, but uh, I don't know if all the listeners, they, they, they know me as well, but I'm a head referee for AZBJJF, and I, I ref some tournaments too, I'm a business owner, I have a, uh, I have a association, I have a uh, academy, I have other business, I, uh, uh, I'm a father, I'm a parent, I'm a, uh, a husband, you know, so there's always a lot going on. I study financial education. I, uh, I don't know if you knew that about me. <laughs> I study financial education. I uh, have courses in, uh, uh, in uh, investments and stuff. And so it's, uh, uh, I was always like that. You know, like I, I would train jujitsu. I would do uh, uh, Amazon deals, but not really Amazon Mercado Livre in Brazil. I would buy and sell. That was how I actually afforded my trips to Europeans uh, and stuff. So uh, I, I worked for the government in Brazil, go, for, uh, go to school, train jiu-jitsu, you know? So I always had a lot, play soccer. So I always had a lot going on in my life. Always, that was always, that was me. If you ask me one advice that I, that I could give to a 20 years old, that want to pursue a dream, I'll ask him, what dream are you pursuing? You know, and, uh, oh, I want to be a world champion. Okay, so focus on being a world champion. If that's your desire, if that's what you want, focus turning a desire into obsession and persevere, you know? So, and I'll probably say too, that there is no glory without sacrifice. You have to sacrifice all other things in order to get what you want because that's what you do when you have an obsession. You know, you sacrifice everything else to get that obsession. That obsession will be your glory. That will be uh, that will be your world championship if that's what you want to do. You know, so uh, for me, uh, the goals I achieved as a competitor it was a lot, a lot came because I, I think because I kind of like, even though I always did everything, I'm doing everything now. I'm doing a lot of different things now that I'm 30, that I already accomplished a lot of things. Uh, not that I'm still, not that I'm not 
anymore with that goal. I still have my goals in, uh, in the in the competitive jujitsu. I still train in the highest level. I still compete in the highest level. But I had in order for me to achieve my first world championship, for example, it wasn't doing what I'm doing today, you know. But of course, today I'm on another level, even in jujitsu that I was before and all that. But uh, if you ask me one thing, I would say that I would say, hey, know what you want first. Oh, you want to be a business owner. Okay, if that what you want, that they don't come together at this point, you know, unless, okay, I want to win worlds and then I want to open my academy. Okay, so then this is going to be a goal. This is going to be a goal afterwards. So there are uh, priorities. Yeah, exactly. You know, there are different priorities, different stage, different uh, 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 goals. There are different goals. There are two different goals. You have, you want to, you want this one. Go for this one, and then you think about the other one. Yeah. Now, do you have the habit of reading or listening to audiobooks and so yeah. forth? Do you? Mm -hmm. So, what is a book that you remember that made an impact on you? and that you could recommend and it's always coming sometimes in different moments of your life but uh one that you you kind of even remember a lot of stuff still like wow that really made an impact on me yeah there are a couple of different a couple of different books uh there are a couple of different books that i really liked a few different books that i really liked that i read and uh, but the one that i'm reading right now actually it was one of the it was one of the books that most related to me and relates to almost everything i'm telling here it's think and grow rich yeah it's a great book yeah it's uh, it, it's just uh, uh it just it related to so much of my life you know i'm halfway uh, i'm halfway through with this book and it just it relates a lot to my life uh in terms of uh uh really focus on one thing you know like uh it, it says in the book that turn your desire into obsession yeah, that's the number and, one that's the number one pillar they talk about the burning desire yeah yes exactly the burning desire, exactly and uh um how like your mind can control your uh can control the universe around you you know how like negative thoughts i was i always i always preached that you know like how hey focus on uh, focus on the good things you know like focus on the good things sometimes uh life will hit you in many different ways you know you gotta you gotta focus on the good things you have to uh uh, uh always have good thoughts always try to see you know the good ways uh things are going bad they're not going bad they're making you learn they're they're learning experience oh now life is hitting me from every side that was actually something that i learned in another book how you want to be uh how sometimes you want to let let life uh shake you you know sometimes you want to let life shakes you that's what that's one of the best also rules for entrepreneurs uh, you want to uh, when we are the entrepreneur, we uh we let life shake us Right, because you are you start something, life shakes you, and that's how you're gonna learn, and that's how you're gonna be uh, formed, shaped, you know. And uh, uh, life will shake you in many different ways. And if you take that as a bad thing, you know, you're not going anywhere. You know, you're gonna learn with that. You have to 
uh, have good thoughts and uh, uh, and that will attract too. The good thoughts will attract good good things and good people. You know, good people around you. When you have good thoughts, uh, you you're gonna you you end up getting yourself around good people too. You know, because the people that think like you, you know that little I was actually talking to my wife about it uh, not long ago we uh that little uh quote to say uh like when you say oh great mind thinks alike you know not really uh <laughs> great mind yeah great mind thinks alike but uh we think alike because we are next to each other you know not necessarily means we have great minds but we're next to each other we attract by each other by the way that we think you know thoughts are vibration they say that in the book you know thoughts are vibration that kind of get together and uh you know so uh this book has been really teaching me a lot in, in things that are really really uh lined up with my thoughts you know it's very fun it's a very foundational to to everyone if you're a business owner or not exactly. i mean it's 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 just the truth you know yeah, exactly. that's simple yeah. it's just truth Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, like that, the story of, uh, in the right beginning of the move to, uh, of Henry Ford, you know, when he wanted to, oh, he, uh, wanted to build a, uh, a, 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 a super, a super, uh, good engine. I forgot like the details, but, uh, he wanted that and he told their, their engineers, Hey, I want that engine. I want these and these and that. They got like, what? That's impossible. He's like, no, I want it and I'll get it. And uh, the engineers are like, okay, so you guys are going to work. So you guys don't need to do anything else. That's your focus. That's what you're going to do. And they work six months, nothing happened. No, that's impossible. No, okay, keep going. And they worked six months. No, that's impossible. It's not going to happen. And he was like, I want it. I'll get it. You can keep working on it. You guys don't need to do anything else keep it working on it and then all of a sudden after a while boom he was there and uh, he said it's not impossible until it's impossible until someone goes there and do it you yeah, know absolutely. so he put his mind into it he focused he somehow he thought it was possible and pursue 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 had the per perseverance and got it yeah so for all the listeners, we're getting close to the end of the interview. So if you're listening for the first time, usually what I do is after the interview, I reflect. I, I listen to the interview again. I reflect and then I research on a topic to share with you some content to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. So that is the part that it's, it's fun for me, but it's hard at the same time because I want to make sure that I put a quality audio and not being repetitive now we going over 50 episodes it's not easy to create weekly content of course the toughest part the guests they do they give me their content and then i go in and i create something that varies from seven to 12 minutes so if you're listening for the first time just make sure that it will stick around so Samir, what are you currently excited? What is going on? And also how people can reach you, know more about your work. Really excited about one more <laughs> uh, business uh, and membership, uh, entrepreneurship that I am uh, doing, which is my online training. 
So me and uh, me and my partners, we're doing, uh, we're just launching our online training we did. We launched uh, two weeks ago. And I've uh, been very excited because uh, we have the association and uh, a lot of people uh, in the association, of course, uh, out of the association, they they wanted to be learn for us. They'd say, hey, Samir, I wanted to go there and train with you guys. It would be amazing, this and that. But, and my idea was not only for the people that I wanted to be here, but also the people that uh, the instructors of the association, the instructors that they teach in the association, you know, I told them, hey, now we all going to be training together, you know. So uh, this is uh, something that I've been meaning to do for a while. We almost did a couple of times, but never really came off the paper. But it's a big this, project. It is, it is, it is. And uh, not a lot of people are able to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's very, you got to be committed. If recording every single day, we, we post one move every day. In the online training, uh, so all uh, basically all our classes, all our classes are being recorded, and we feed the website every day. Uh, it's like it's, it comes back to hey, I have a guy who makes a video, I have a guy who uh, edits, and uh, then I have uh, a guy who controls the website. You know, I basically just send the uh, the link, and that's it. And what is the name of the website? ericebjjonline.com so i'm really excited about this new venture you know uh being willing to do it being uh, meaning to do it for a long time I'm really really excited it's definitely the thing that i'm most like uh excited about right now and if people want to look you up on social media what is the what's the name where they can find you Instagram, Samir Chantry, uh the, the at is Samir Chantry BJJ. that's Samir Chantry BJJ. same thing uh on my uh uh, Facebook, Facebook, Samishantre, email samishantrebjj at gmail.com. And uh, my website is the, the, probably the ariesbjj.com would be the best one that would suit me. Uh, and ariesbjj online now. Awesome. Thank you so much, man, for your time. And again, I appreciate and value your work coming here in Arizona for about a decade now to help to take the Arizona community to another level. Every year we're getting better. It's cool that uh, you have experienced the growth from 2010. And I think growth is not necessarily just growth of numbers. I'm talking about education, educating the, the community about the rules and minimize complaints because people start to understand more. So you also do the the referees clinics here once a year and we having those get together with the coaches now is just something that it just keeps helping to grow more and more and I appreciate your time uh, with the federation and your time here for the interview no of course this is uh this is something that I really uh i, I grow i grow I, I grew myself to a lot ever since uh i started there uh a decade ago so I really like, I really like going there and uh, putting my time there. It's something that uh, seeing the BJJ scenario in there, I would say uh, Arizona is probably my second house now, my second home now uh, from California and Arizona. Uh, it's definitely the place that I go more to and uh, I, I really, really like and I really 
uh, want to see the BGG community there growing and growing and my collaboration will be always uh, my pleasure, you know, it's always uh, great for me. Thank you. All right, for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's? Let me share with you my final thoughts from Samir Shantra's interview. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV, at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Samir is a third-degree black belt and the co-founder of RSBJJ Association. He shared his struggles with delegating tasks in his school, and he mentioned the best advice he has ever received, which came from his mother, There is no glory without sacrifice, which inspired the title of this podcast. I'm not sure what was your main takeaway from the interview, but mine was the importance of perseverance in everything you do. Today, I'm going to share with you a concept from the best-selling book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance by Angela Duckworth. Matter of fact, during episode 24, titled Developing Your Growth Mindset with the founder of the nonprofit organization Higher Ground, Jensen Azarius, he mentioned that they literally ingrained three concepts to the kids at Higher Ground daily. Number one, self-control. Number two, grit or resilience. And the third one, growth mindset. In the final thoughts, I focus on sharing with you about the growth mindset. And today, I'm going to expand to you to the concept of grit or resilience, as he said. Interesting fact, Angela Duckworth, the author of Grit, is Jensen's mentor, so he learned the concept well straight from a great source. Here's a short description of Grit on Angela's website. Quote, In this instant, New York Times bestseller, pioneering psychologist Angela Duckworth shows anyone striving to succeed, be it parents, students, educators, athletes, or business people, that the secret to outstanding achievement is not talent, but a special blend of passion and persistence she calls grit. Why do some people succeed and others fail? Sharing new insights from her landmark research, Angela explains why talent is hardly a guarantor of success, unquote. So grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having mental and physical stamina and sticking with your plan, with your future day in, day out for a long time. That is why you probably heard people saying, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Now, let me ask you this. Which one is more important to you, talent or effort? Well, according to Angela, effort. She states that effort counts twice. What is she trying to say? Well, after 10 years of researching how to get from talent to achievement, she came up with a formula. Talent times effort equals skill. The equation continues. The skill that you develop times effort, a dedicated and deliberate effort for an extended period, equals achievement. That is why effort counts twice. So talent times effort equals skill. Then skill times effort equals achievement. The effort is needed for both building your skills and using that skill to achieve. Talent is just how fast you improve your skill. How many athletes, for example, that you've heard in basketball, football, or whatever, who was extremely talented in high school and college, however, when they moved to the pro level, disappear in one or two years? 
Of course, each one has a different journey, injuries, personal problems, and the issues can go on and on. I'm not trying here to judge anyone. However, there is a good chance that this athlete used effort once, not twice. Angela mentioned in the book, quote, Without effort, your talent is nothing more than your unmet potential. Without effort, your skill is nothing more than what you could have done but didn't. With effort, talent becomes a skill, and at the very same time, effort makes skill productive, unquote. As Samir mentioned, there is no glory without sacrifice. Effort, perseverance, resilience, grit, whatever you want to call, is the fundamental factor, is what you can control. Now, let me ask you something. Are you familiar with American football? The reason why I ask is that even though the vast majority of the listeners are from the United States, we have people listening to the BJJ Mental Coach podcast from over 50 different countries. Interesting fact, by the way, I'm not a football expert, but only 3 to 4% of high school football players get to play in college. There are around 115 NCAA Division I football teams, which is where the majority of the players who make to the NFL, the National Football League, come from. Every year for the NFL draft, the 32 teams choose 256 players from over 6,000 eligible players. Please bear with me, I do have a point. If you are a football expert, you may say, Gustavo, these numbers are not 100% correct. Well, all I'm trying to convey is it's extremely hard to make to the NFL. What would you say would be the odds of an undersized, not very fast high school kid who did not receive any scholarship to play in college that would make it to the NFL? What would this kid have to do or become to make this dream a reality? The answer is to be greedy. G-R-I-T-T-Y. To take this passion and perseverance to another level because odds would be against him. Do you think it's possible? Well, let me share the story of Adam Archuleta. Do you remember when you were a little kid? When you were about four or five, you told your parents or your loved ones the following, I'm going to be such and such. Did you pursue it? Well, I believe very few individuals in the world probably have done that, and that is exactly what Adam did. While watching a Denver Broncos game, little Adam turned to his dad and said, I'm going to be a football player when I grow up. And he decided to start his football journey very young. The main and huge challenge he had was that in high school, more specifically Chandler High in Chandler, Arizona, he was 175 pounds and he heard his whole life the critics saying, you won't be able to measure up, you're too small, you're too slow. By his second year in high school, some teammates were receiving offers to colleges already, and he wasn't receiving any. However, he remained greedy and decided to look for help out of the school. He approached an orthodox trainer called Jay Schroeder, who believed in the Russian philosophy of rapid-fire movement, which in theory teaches a muscle to turn on and off quickly. He told Jay his goal and said, I want to get faster and stronger. And Jay told him, this is not a one-year process. We're talking about five to six years plan. Can you handle it? Jay drew a plan from 1995 when they started training together to 2001 when if he played college football, he would be eligible for the draft. 
Adam persevered and became stronger and faster. And even though he was the team MVP player as a junior playing linebacker and a standout in Arizona, he still didn't receive any D1 college scholarship offer. Then after the ASU, the Arizona State University spring football camp, he received a call to talk with ASU's defensive coach. By this time, he was a 185 pounds linebacker. He showed up to the coach's room and right away the coach put on a game tape. And he saw this guy running around relatively small, making play after play. And the coach asked him, can you do that? And in seeing that a guy 40 pounds less than the average linebacker making plays, he said to himself, if he can do it, I can do it. He didn't know much about this player. And then eventually he found out that was the late Pat Tillman. If you're from Arizona or a football fan, you probably heard his story. He accepted to join the team as a walk-on, which means no scholarship. He was about to take his grit to another level again to earn a spot on the team and hopefully a full scholarship. Long story short, as Wikipedia describes, as a senior in 2000, he was named the Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year and was a first-team All-Pac-10 Conference selection as a linebacker. He was also one of the three finalists for the Butkus Award, awarded annually to the top linebacker in college football. He was a first-team All-America selection by the Sports Exchange and earned second-team All-America from the Walter Camp Foundation. Adam was the first-round draft pick for the San Luis Rams in 2001, the 20th overall. He signed a five-year, $7 million contract with the Rams with a signing bonus of $3 million. In 2006, he was the highest-paid safety at that point. How about that for grit? Passion and perseverance for a long time. Currently, Adam is a broadcaster for the NFL on CBS, which is another incredible story of grit, and hopefully I can tell it in a different episode. Another cool fact about Adam he is a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and hands down one-off, if not the strongest grip that I've ever encountered in my academy. I'm going to leave two YouTube links on this episode's post, an ESPN clip and his interview with the podcast Tough Talks with the mental coach Chris Doris. What is the message here? Don't listen to the naysayers. People may say, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to make any money or whatever. If you believe in your goal, in your dream. Keep grinding no matter what. You must have the grit, the passion, the perseverance to overcome all the obstacles along the way. Remember, if you were easy to pursue dreams, everyone would do it. To wrap up, I would like to close with the advice Samir's mother told him. There is no glory without sacrifice. Oops. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.